I don't know. He thinks that way. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what well, I don't know what other options he has. Should I we thought, just record this? We are recording. Oh fuck! I thought we were just talking about like what we're. I brought us back in. <laughs> oh, I didn't even hear you. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Just amateur hour here. I'm keeping that part in there. And welcome to the 55.1 Podcast. My name is Wes Berdine, joined by Mark Fangmeyer and Rodrigo sanchez Cheveria. We do not have a Corey Shreppel with us. He is uh, he's off in, uh, I think he's in Edinburgh right now. He was at uh, Whiteheart Inn, which, is, That's um, right. which was named after a time traveler who went to the Blackheart of St. Paul, went back to 1523, started this pub that then got purchased by the same Weatherbees or whatever that owns literally every pub in England uh, and, and has, serves the same mediocre mushy peas and whatever. Yeah. So it's a, it's a quantum leap moment. They certainly don't have cheese curds. That's, that's what, that's what I know. So the three of us holding it down without our shreple, our, our, our own shreple. Okay. Let's do some uh, good, the bad and the weird before we talk about this uh, Minnesota versus Cincinnati game. I feel like uh, this is going to be the shortest pod ever because we're just going to get to the Minnesota part and just sigh heavily and then, and then move on. But uh, let's talk about the good here. This is Joey Barton's Bristol Rovers philosopher, poet, soccer player, Joey Barton uh, led the Bristol Rovers. They needed, they went into the final game of the season in league two they uh, needed a win, and they needed to make up a seven-goal differential. And uh, and what happened there, Mark? Oh, man, it was great. Um, well, first off, let's just say that Minnesota United legend Sam Nicholson came on in the 71st or 70th minute, and they scored a couple of goals. And then in the 85th minute, they scored their seventh goal of the day to go up 7 nothing. And the best part about this is that they actually had 25 minutes of stoppage time because of a 20 minute pitch invasion from everybody running on the field. Yeah. Was, I'm going to be pretty awesome. Be honest. I'm, I'm anti pitch invasion, but when you need to win seven to nothing to get promoted to league one and, uh, and you win seven to nothing, uh, because your opposition, the opposite team fielded seven teenagers. Right. Um, you can invade the pitch. You can invade the, the pitch. And uh, congratulations awesome. to Sam Nicholson getting up to League One. Uh, anyway, that's an awesome story. Um, we The other good story is that today, Monday, uh, was the first Minnesota Aurora FC training day. So we had almost, I think, 70% of the team basically was here. Like some of the players were like doing finals or out of state or things like that. Um, I went down for the, for the latter half of it, uh, to, to catch some of it. And the wind was like, because today was the weirdest weather day in Minnesota history. It was like 60 mile an hour winds going up the pitch and it was weird. It was crazy. Um, but the biggest thing was we had a big media turnout and, uh, got to see the players out there and it was great. It was a lot of, it was very exciting to see that happen. Um, Season ticket holders and community owners will have gotten an email inviting them to a uh, 
event this Sunday where they can watch a training with the team and, you know, get to see the stadium at TCO Stadium. And then everyone should uh, go out there and get tickets for that home opener. If you can't make the home opener, then buy your tickets for for the other games. But the home opener, I think, is going to sell out eventually. And so we want to sell out as soon as possible because then it just looks cooler and people get more excited. So that's good. And then uh, you can start working gonna... on selling out the next match as well. Yeah, exactly. Right. Are people going to be able to sit on the grass area? Is that what I heard from Yeah, there's like Andrea? a... There's like a grassy knoll on one end. And, um, you know, I did check it out. I did not test it for rolling down because there's, it's good for rolling, but there is concrete at the end. And so I feel like you're going to need to bring like a blanket to like stop the kid from s- smacking into the uh, concrete. Yeah, just have the marketing team, just have it have some other sponsor just name that, <laughs> name that side of the, yeah. uh, of the grassy knoll, just out of something and that'd be great. Get like a, a a video camera company to to sponsor it as the 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 Zapruder grassy knoll. Mm-hmm. Um, the bad here, it's a good and a bad. The good is that Minneapolis City had their first USL two game for a uh, home game at um, the Augsburg Stadium, and uh, the bad is that they lost two nothing at home uh, to a ten man Dennis the Menace. Um, it was great to see them back out on the pitch again. It was fun. I like. Love the whole fact that on a Sunday afternoon when my kid's getting antsy, I can be like, there's probably some soccer I can go take him to. And he like had a blast. And so, um, and also I'm very proud of myself and proud of Minneapolis city that on the scoreboard, they had crows versus Dennis. And, uh, I'm, I'm very proud of myself for, for having made that a thing. So Congratulations, Wes. Um, <laughs> the other bad is that uh, actual bad here is uh, Atlanta United center back, United States men's national team center back, Miles Robinson, Robinson sorry, um, ruptured his Achilles tendon during a match against Chicago this weekend. I don't know if he's going to be out for the World Cup, but those are usually, those can be like nine month recoveries. Yeah. It's right. And the video of him just like on the ground, like just punching the ground, like realizing the severity of it and just seeing like the disappointment on his face. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it sucked. We got to yeah. figure out who cursed this team though. Chicago or? No, the United States. We have like everyone's dying. Yeah, but you made it to a World Cup. That was the goal, right? Yeah, but you don't want, you don't want to go to the World Cup and be like starting like, I don't know, just trying, trying to think of some, Eighth rate uh, U.S. center back. Uh, oh, there's a former uh, Newcastle player that more than likely will start just because of that. Some oh, some Miami DeAndre will be out there. Yeah, Wyatt Almsberg is going to be backing him up or something like that. Um, <laughs> no offense to Wyatt Almsberg, but he's he's no Miles Robinson. Um, that's a bummer. So the weird here, I'm going to have uh, Mark. I'm going to have you take me through this one. This is this is a FIFA weird one. Yeah, and it just came out like today is that um, if you remember back during uh, World Cup qualifying when Brazil uh, was playing against Argentina in Argentina, and it was during like the COVID like height of things, and they accused a Brazilian government accused Argentina of like violating COVID protocols to get into the country, and like it's when they sent like the health like folks like onto the field to like collect people. And the whole match got called off. Yes, yes. Anyways, if we all remember that, uh, FIFA decided that even though both Brazil and Argentina are firmly qualified for the World Cup and have their spots there, 
they must replay that match that they didn't get to. So um, it was it was really interesting because you know how like the EPL at that time had uh, what was it like blacked out nations or like nations people couldn't travel to right yeah. directly. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of Argentinian players travel outside some other country in Europe, then travel out to Argentina to not quarantine. And so that was a big old thing, which is kind of funny because now you have Chile always trying to get into the World Cup, right? Raising a uh, filing a complaint that um, was it Ecuador? Ecuador, yeah. That Ecuador uh, was actually uh, had one of their, I think, it was their fullback is actually a Colombian, right? And so they want um, Ecuador to give up points for that, which would mean that. Chile would qualify to the, the Chile would leapfrog Peru and then and Ecuador would go back to six. And then all of a sudden Chile's in and Peru might not be. Which is weird because they already got qualified to the next um, you know, playoff play. So we'll see. And I, I think it has to be because Peru never played Ecuador, so therefore they didn't lose any points. But Chile did, and I think there's a couple other teams that did as well. That would oh, no, we played points. Ecuador. It's just that we. But didn't like he, but he wasn't in the roster. Right, he wasn't in the roster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the thing. That yeah, yeah. Chile always trying to do Chile things. <laughs> I can't wait till um, former San Jose um, Earthquakes coach um, ends up getting the job, and we get to see um, you know Vidal play fullback or goalkeeper. Oh, no, he, and great. no, Almeida uh, got a job in Greece. Did he get that? Is it Panathinaikos or where is it really? I, thought, I forget who it was. I saw somebody like an actual journalist tweeting out that like they was signing with some team in Greece. Um, I don't Let's believe that last. I don't believe he has yet. Just just oh. for the record. Um, I mean, it's Chile, oh no, he's right? at AEK Athens, right, which go. is fantastic. I believe AEK Athens uh, owner Gun. Let me Google this. Yeah. Uh, this is, let me just read you this. This is from 2018. You might remember this. Uh, Greece has suspended indefinitely its Super League after the team owner of, oh, it was Pauk, P-A-A-C-O, P-A-O-K, Pauk. Um, their owner walked out with a gun onto the pitch. Oh, I remember that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it was not. I remembered the the two were involved in this, but uh, I'm wrong. So I was hoping that Almeida would be going to be head coach under that guy because that would be a blast. But I, I'm I'm wrong. So my apologies. And what, I can't. What are the odds the that Almeida names. actually does that? You know, brings a gun onto the field when a game in Greece? No, he's he metaphorically will bring the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take a break now, and we'll come back and we'll talk Minnesota United. One podcast. Let's start with a little bit of Minnesota United news, which is just uh, a bit of information on the Chase Gasper trade. Did this t- whole thing happen after the podcast last time? Uh, yeah, because it happened on Wednesday, okay. which is the trade deadline. Yeah, so Chase Gasper um, traded to the LA Galaxy in exchange for $450,000 in GAM. And uh, and there's an additional 300000 in uh, GAM if, if he hits certain benchmarks. 
This um, this comes as um, later. Now we've found out um, Jorge Villafania was placed on the season-ending injury list, and so they definitely needed a left back. They do have Raheem Edwards, who's been playing there, but Raheem can be moved further up, and and Raheem has been doing really well. But um, it's it's uh, it's an understandable trade. Uh, any initial thoughts on on this? Is it? seem like a good deal or just a bummer based on all of the like like adrian Heath quotes coming out and even what chase it sounded like chase just needed a fresh start somewhere and i mean it's i'm I'm glad it worked out that like you know he needed a fresh start the team was able to trade him and they were able to get him to a team where he's you know he went to school at ucla he's has friends and family there so hopefully you know it'll help him get back on track and get going again yeah, I was initially, I, I think, I think I kind of withheld any public <laughs> judgment on it because it was like, well, I certainly hope that this is something that he requested. And then you see the the quotes come out, and I think both from Heath and Chase, both of them were were really pointing to the fact that this was something. Um, maybe Chase didn't request, but once LA Galaxy came in, then he was like, yeah, I really want to do this. Um, and so I, I think it seems like we got decent money for a, a, a decent player. Um, right. And, you know, I, I don't know. It, I mean, it, we've, we've all been, you know, we, when deserved when critics, critics of what, he, what he's been able to not do and, and applaud him when he does things that are, uh, uh, that he does well. And I'm, I can't be mad at someone who goes and tries to, you know, take care of themselves and take care as, you know, um, as Marshawn Lynch to care of your to care of your mentals. Oh my God, uh, we're do, doing Marshawn Lynch three episodes in a row. I know. <laughs> you just wait. I got much more. Oh, thank you. Uh, um, yeah, yeah I, I look. It is a bummer to lose depth in this team when we are are already threadbare, and it just makes our backline even older. Average age of seventy eight. Um, it's like watching the the end sequence of the Titanic. Is that? Um, is that what they get the senior discount at the parking lot over at Allianz? Yeah, they do. Yep. No. And actually, and the thing the, is, like, if the you Denny's actually want to find our, our back line, they're at the Denny's that's just uh, down from University of Snelling. Like, they're there eating supper at about 3.30 every day. You get get some good uh, good discounts and, and get an autograph while you're there. All right, let's talk about the team. Minnesota played FC Cincinnati, who they previously beat 7-1. to one, And... Um, one of these teams held up on their end of the scoreline, and that was Cincinnati. Oh, man. Um, the lineup, I would say, you know, people, lots of people were sending it to me. They were very excited. We got Unu back in. Give him a try. We got Bongi starting. I, I think I was pretty excited about all of this. Abu Dinladi on the right. Okay, I get it. We don't really have too many options there. Um, we did. We had a, a very small substitute bench, I assume, because we had already shipped off players like Aziel Jackson and Justin McMaster and everyone to the Chicago game for for MNUFC two. I, I don't actually know how that works. Couldn't we have just kept them if we knew that Lud was going to be sick and Amaria's baby was coming? Couldn't we? Uh, couldn't we keep some of them back and have them play for us? Is that not how this works? I don't know. I think that's a good question, but at the same time, like, you know, it's just, it's just weird. I mean, like with those things on there, you like, who knew starting was, was okay. I just, um, 
I don't know. Like the lineup was meh in a sense, right? Like, what um, would you like to see? I mean, what do you mean? I mean, like if I if uh, like like if Don Lottie is 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 I would have I wouldn't have minded trying uh, Bongi as their as as your as your nine and have Unu play or what Don Lottie is and just. If you're going to put someone out there that can that can run and just need someone to press, then you can put it Hanson if you need to. That's the only role that you're going to give that person to. Then that that's a workable um, do it because Unu can. Unu originally started as a midfielder, right? That got converted into a forward, so he, that's why he likes so much playing from someone who can build from the back in a sense, right? And and if you when you see him play, he likes to build up more than he likes to be that target. Yeah, but he also is completely immobile. So I, I don't know. I mean, um, Denlati does a decent job of pressing at times. He did create a really good chance. Um, there was a, a break, and he had a great crossover to Unu. Unu made a good shot out of it, but it was just blocked. Um, I, I get what you're saying. I think that we were in a bad place losing Robin Lud in particular. Um, but I, I do want to say, we've talked about this with Ramon Metinier and generally with this team. If you look at other good teams, the teams in the, the top four of each conference, the, the where we think that we belong, they can lose a player. You know, you look at Seattle, who just won the CONCACAF Champions League last week, and they lost Jao Paulo, the center of their team, and they put in a 16-year-old, and they still won. Uh, I just... We have to be able to sustain losing a Robin Lud and losing, especially a Roman Metinier. You know, we're not, we haven't, this is a pretty top end lineup, I think, out there. And I don't think that there are excuses on that end. I feel like Dundati is like fool's gold. Do you agree, Mark? How so? Like he looks, he looks like he can be good, but then it's not real, right? This is not what fool's gold is. Yeah, no, I mean, kind of like Dunlady has always been like, oh, he just needs to reach his potential, but he's six years into the league and he's never reached his potential. Like that's what going. that's what I'm saying. It's like a fool's yeah. gold. Like it's like you find a gold nugget that you think is real and everything, and then once you figure it out, it's it's, it's phony. It's fool's so, gold. So Adrian, he just has green fingers from holding on that fool's gold. That's Dunlady's balls. Oh my god. All right. Um, so <laughs> there, there's a couple things. I thought the the first half of this. Overall, this game was not very good. It was very boring. Um, mm-hmm. Not much going on. I thought the first half was decent. By the end of the second, uh, end of that first half, we had had a few chances. We um, um, Ray in the twenty eighth minute hit Bongi with this fantastic pass. He hit, Ray had some good moments here. Gets Bongi. Bongi holds onto it a little bit too long. Should have maybe just like tried to flick it, but instead he gets a bad angle. And then kind of after that, seven minutes later is, is when the the Dunlady to Unu chance happens. Some pretty decent stuff there, but really, I mean, Cincinnati had the better of the chances in that first half. Toward yeah, right, right, right toward the end there. If it wasn't for Dan St. Clair, yeah. we would have been out of the game really early. Yeah, I mean, Lucho Acosta takes on, he's got the ball, and then Dominic Baji's kind of running right by Debasi, but Acosta does this like magic trick where he sudden, somehow like makes Baji disappear, and uh, Debasi doesn't see Baji walk right by him, and Debasi and Boxy both move up on Lucho, who just 
flicks the ball over and Baji's uh, in on uh, Dane and Dane saves their butt. Uh, going Literally back, with his own butt. Literally. Yeah. He just goes no, down. No, I think it was off his foot. Butt it wasn't off his no, butt. I think it was his butt. I'm yeah. pretty sure it was a foot save. Yeah. He's got yeah. a foot butt. Um, <laughs> foot butt. <laughs> so, but here's the thing though, like going into this game, like people were like, uh, asking, you know, so this should we're comparing it that this this should be another another seven one, but this isn't the same Cincinnati team that we played when it was seven one. Like very true. I mean, I mean their defense is a little bit better, right? But they also have Alucho Acosta, who we all remember from the Wayne Rooney super pass to the world, right? That that he was able to score that one, and he, how close he was to getting signed in Europe, and then it got failed. And then you have Brandon uh, Vasquez, who. Yeah. And it's been a decent. It's been a decent. He's got like five, six goals, right? Acosta has about the same. So it's not like they're pushovers anymore, and def- right? Defensively, so- I mean, they had um, QAnon favorite Jeff Cameron in there, and he looked decent. Nick Hagland, who is doing this samurai thing with his hair now, I, I couldn't believe that was Nick Hagland. He looked really good out there. They were much better. I, I will say that about FC Cincinnati. That said, we should have still beaten them. But um, we, I was, we should have. I mean, I, I was disappointed going back through this game and seeing how many. I, I thought Debassi did well when I was in the stadium. Then going back through this game and seeing how many times Debassi was really suspect um, was was upsetting to me. You know, I, I think that in general I thought of him as a, as a pretty good rock, but he made some pretty bad error, errors and uh, and was bailed out by by Dane. Any players that you guys want to key in on? In shame, uh, yeah. No, I mean, like, like, even even uh, Langwani, like his his touches were just like it watch felt like say. every time he got, watch what every you time say. he got the ball. What I said, watch I what know. you say. Every time he got the ball, it felt like he took one extra touch that he didn't need to take, and it just got him in a position where he was either like too close to the end line, yeah, and it just went out for a goal kick. Like he it, it, he wasn't creating anything either. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's totally fair. I think. Um, this was not so much a game of unable to finish, which we've had uh, in other games. This was a chance, a, a game of where we weren't creating many chances. I think Ray had a couple of really spectacular moments, but overall was not stellar. Um, I, I thought in general, very few of our players looked terrible. It's just like, eh, I don't know, man. Like anyone looked. It was, it was like the energy was very meh. Yeah. Right. And I think, I think the first half, we were happy because. We usually don't outpossess a team. Like usually we're the one that's is looking to, to go for that counter. And we were outpossessing, I think, 60-30 or no, 60, close to 70-30 that first half. And you're like, you were feeling good about the opportunities that we were creating. But I just feel that there was a lack of, uh, there was such a big lack of movement in the final third. Like everyone was so freaking stiff. Like no one would want, when they get the ball, play it back to the middle, play it back to the side. We'll play it to Reynoso to see if we can find, you know, thread a needle to the hole. But nobody was moving the center backs or the, or, the, or the left back and the right back. No one was trying to. Langwane would try dribbling at them, which is what I've been asking people to do is just dribble at the defenders, make them commit. But nobody else was following. Ariaga didn't have a good game. Like he had some really like, you know, bad passing. Like he's usually not that that horrible, but he just kept some giveaways that were just like really suspect. And you were like, what are you doing, brother? It's like, you know who we could have used in this game last year's Frank Payne. 
Um, Because then then you had an option of someone else who was, you had a different angle of moving the attack. Um, But we just, we only have Ray who can pick those passes. Sometimes Ariaga, because he has such a good long pass that he can take. But we just had no one who could send the ball forward in a tricky way. Um, And, you know, we're not going to hit FC Cincinnati on the break at home. You know, I mean, they're, they're not set up that way and we're at home. And so Dunlady's speed isn't going to, even uh, Longwane's speed isn't going to do you as much good. Um, I thought Unu was, un- was really lethargic, not moving that much. I don't know. It's, it's hard to not just go through the players and just list them off. Kamar Lawrence was okay. I mean, Dane I was good. I thought Lawrence did all right. So I think he, Will, Will, Trappa, thought, Will Trapp was okay. He did okay as a number six. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he did okay. I think Boxel did okay too at some times, but there was that one where, like, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, we just record Acosta this instead so of talking the whole thing. Oh, right. yeah. No, no, Acosta is just, you know, so tiny. It's like so easy yeah. to, to just like. Uh, it was very so funny when he squared miss. up with Michael Boxel. Yeah. So there's there's a couple other things I want to. I mean, we did talk about. We should talk about the the substitutions that were made. We did get an early substitution with Frank Payne. Coming on, um, or sorry, yeah, Frank Payne coming on for Adrian Unu, um, and then Nico Hansen comes on for um, Bongi, which um, I guess I understand. I, I would have liked to see Dunlady out there, but at that point, you don't really have a striker. You you got to go with that. And I guess it makes sense there because we didn't have any other attacking options that we could pull off the bench. Uh, um, what else are you going to do? But Frank Payne added absolutely nothing to this game. He, he I cannot overstate how disappointed I am in his performance. I think he's, is, he he did more on the outside trying to like work it in to like actually create something like uh, dribbling off the dribble than Bongi did. Like like yeah but he the, was he was trying at least. Like yeah, there's just nobody there. But then oh well, well come on. Late in the game he sends in a cross. We have a great chance of break and he sends in a cross as if it looked as if he had been running for seven years. He like he he's been out there for twenty minutes and he's just looks dead and he just sends it to no one. Um, I, I just I think that for a player who I was so hyped on last year, um, and came into this year pretty mad at his homophobia and then like he's just disappointed on the pitch. If you're gonna be a wanker, at least make me begrudgingly cheer for you. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, and, th- and there's no answer to that right now, right? We don't have an answer, right? If we're gonna keep on going, studying Longwane and Don Lotti, no, then we don't have. We should not do. Then, but but more than likely we're going to because I think our, he believes that at one point if he presses long enough for the first half, he's gonna find a team he can score on. All right, I, uh, let's just go to the end of this game. This is I, I put a screenshot in our notes, and I'm gonna have to tweet this out with this. Um, in the final moments, they've been attacking and attacking and attacking. In the final moments, we have, let's see, one, two, three, four. There's five Cincinnati players. We've got O'Neill Fisher is central and in the top of the box. Um, Joseph Rosales, for some reason, is playing right back right now. Um, you have three players moving to what would be our left side, overlapping over... Kamar Lawrence and Debassi, who are both like together, like doing like the the buddy buddy system or whatever in the middle of no, the box. It's the, 
it's the foot race where they tie your shoes together. Oh, that's exactly it. Like a, a, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so the, the three-legged like... <laughs> three-legged race. They're doing the three-legged race. And so, I, I mean, what else do we think is going to happen here? The entire attack is going to like move around them and flank our defense. I don't know what is happening in this picture. It, it is astounding. So it's just terrible defending. We're completely at, um, I believe the English would say, at sixes and sevens. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then we give up a goal in, in stoppage time. We're at home. I mean, dude, here's the, here's the thing with me is like, I, I, do you, I, do you think, here's my question. Do you think if we keep on putting this type of like, not only this, this type of personnel up front as you're starting 11, as Heath believes that you play your best players, right? Does that mean that because we're pressing, does that mean that we give more opportunity to the team to tire out our defense by the by this by the 70th, 80th minute, and it just becomes easier for them to to attack us and catch us flat-footed? Absolutely, that's what I said last week. I mean, it's you get. Here's the thing: like you get when you're doing the high when you put Dunlady. And Bongi in together and do the whole high press thing, you get a solid 15 or 20 minutes of chaos. And you saw at the beginning of this match, like we had a, that first 15 minutes was great. We were pressing, we were putting all the pressure on them. And it, you, <clears throat> you just need to decide when you want that 15, 20 minutes of chaos. Do you want it at the very beginning of the match or do you want it at the end of the match? You well, can't you, have it both well, ways. And by you either need to play a possession type role like a uh, game plan in the beginning that allows, you know, to like maintain possession, your defense doesn't get dragged down, whatever. And then at the end of the game, if you bring those guys in, that's when you're pressing against their defense. Your defense is still, you know, kind of able to focus and they're not as tired. I understand that they go forward. I understand the, the theory that, that you're working with there, but you don't suddenly introduce a high press at the end of the game because the rest of your team has to be able to press. You can't suddenly put two substitutes on and then and do this high press because the midfield's already tired out. That's why usually we you start with a high, high press and then you kind of like back off as the game as the game goes, or unless you're New York Red Bulls or whatever, and you can run that high press for an entire 90 minutes. Right. But, but the I, thing is, we, I, we I, don't have the personnel to do that, but to run no. the high press so at all times. I will agree with on that first point of this high press. It is not working. Um, we're trying to use those strengths of having, you know, you've got Long Lane and, and um, Dunlady out there. We we could do it a different way. We could even do it the way they try to do in preseason, which is having Dunlady up top. We're sitting back and we're just pinging in long balls to him. I was mad. I did not want to see that happening. But I don't know. At this point, something's got to work. Uh, I, I don't know what's happening with this team. And I, I wish I could come up with some better theories. Um, my, my theory still remains that I think that Metonier not being in there means that we are moving centrally way more often than we normally would. Right. Um, but, but we have Fisher now. Now we're moving over to Fisher on the left and maybe we just need someone uh, better at uh, I don't know if it's possession or what we would need in front of him that that Hlungwane maybe doesn't give us but um, right now we're, we're so low on options and I think we have depth and suddenly it doesn't look look that way well I mean I, I think there's a thing with having depth and there's also a thing with having leg for leg substitution like talent wise right like at one point, you know, we were 
Dunlady and and Bongi were that like for like substitution in that area. But now we don't now that we're using them first, we don't have players that can come in for them that kind of give us that type of same energy, right? Unless we call up some of the Minnesota Minnesota two players, right? I'm in the camp that, you know, like who is going to outlast more than anyone? The 21-year-old or the 30-year-old, right? As energy-wise, right? I say if you're going to, if you're going to keep someone on the field longer, why don't you just give Bongi a chance to play more more longer? Give him a full 90, see what he can do with a full 90. Right now we don't really have any other options to figure out our offense. Might as well just try to let the kids try we to totally do, do though. Like we have where we are the most stacked. Like when everybody's fully healthy. Like let's say, you know, like, you know, Amaria is back from paternity leave. Um, you know, we have Dunlady, we have Bongi, we have Unu, we have Amaria. Amaria. We have yep. we have four strikers. We could do a four-four-two. And you can have you can start with Amaria Unu and they can go at it and see if it works. And then you can do a like for like, take off Unu and Amaria, put on Bongi and Dunlady and have at it and do the chaos four four two for a little while. Like you could you can do like for like right there. The problem is Adrian Heath is so stuck in either we need to do the four the four two three one with Ray doing absolutely everything, or we have to do like this like ridiculous high press thing. And like there's no middle ground. There's there's his inability to experiment. And also the thing is like when uh Unu came over from France, like the system he was in, it was a, a double striker system. Like, and that's when he had a lot of success over there. And that's why we brought him over here. Like let just try it, just see if it works, and then go from there. And then if if it does work, suddenly you have like for like substitutions that you can make, and it, the whole system can kind of work on its own. But you have to get out of this whole, uh, you know, we have to do the four two three one mindset uh, because it's just not working. Like it hasn't worked okay. in almost a year now. Okay, so here's here's my question to you then. We already know who in the four four two who the four backs will be starting. Who would be your your four midfielders then? Uh Trap, Ariaga, uh, and then um Ray and Lude. That's it? Yeah. And then you put Amaria and Unu up top mm-hmm. and then try to see if that works out. Yeah, and just have like again, like just have you know that you can be overlapping in whatever you want to do with the interplay between those the top four. You're still having the top four, but just seeing what they can do and seeing where their position is, you know, where they, you know, if Unu can drop back a little bit and sit a little bit higher in the box, like around the 18 yard box, while you have Amria being the guy that's going and bombing towards each one of the posts, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, I that would be daring to play a 4 4 2 with two wide players who play centrally is what I'm going to say. But um, we, I do think at this point, just do that. Sure. I don't care. I, whatever might work. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to call time on this because uh, we're going to bang our heads against the wall at some point. Um, we'll come back and we'll do a little preview and, and some Twitter questions. on the 55-1 podcast. Let's blow this mother out. Uh, we've got two matches this week. The Open Cup match against the Colorado Rapids. That is Wednesday, May 11th, 7 p.m. Um, 
what's the price ticket for that? I, I don't know. Seven, is it free? Seven thousand. Make it free. Come I don't on actually now. know. Do I have a ticket for that? Do I, I have to buy a ticket? I don't. Oh, I know. Like, and I don't even know what the price is. But I remember, uh, was it twenty nineteen? Two years ago? Like, nope, that'd be three years ago. Uh, I just remember that the tickets were actually very reasonable, and like, I think I just like. It was like the inaugural season, so I just put, and everyone wanted to get to Allianz Field. It's always sold out, so I was like, "Hey, I can get tickets, and they're only fifteen bucks behind the goal." And it was like the um, Brew Hall side, not the supporter side. Yeah. And like I had like all like my neighbors coming with like I had like I brought I think I got like twenty tickets for folks who were just in this one section together. Oh, funny. It's actually, pretty awesome. All right, so I'll have to figure. Maybe I'll be in the Wonderwall. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do walkabout and go uh, get some different tickets for this game. Maybe I'll see if someone will give me a free ticket. So, um, I'll, Rodrigo, if I find one for you, I'll, I'll, I'll find you a free ticket. Um, we've got that match, and then we've got on Sunday, 3 p.m. against the Seattle Sounders. Um, I, I, you know, Sounders have now won the CONCACAF Champions League, so maybe they're all hungover, or maybe they're back and ready to, to make people They were play. hungover last game, so I think it was like... Yeah, they were hungover. I don't think anyone from the starting eleven started, except maybe Vargas. And the yeah, we didn't even have no. Well, they haven't played in MLS play since May seventh. No, oh that no, no, they did. They lost. They lost. Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So we we've got those two games, and uh, we've got questions here. Colin O'Donnell says this in our this the fifty five one Slack. If you're a Patreon, you you get a special invite to this. Um, in the last two games, Bongi and Dunlady have combined for two shots on target, two successful dribbles, four key passes, three were in the last game, over 283 minutes. 96 minutes against Colorado, Chicago and Colorado yielded a goal, two assists, and two key passes and a successful dribble. Both players have better individual stats per minute as substitutes. Is there a point where the difference in their effectiveness as late subs outweighs the difference in form between them and their usual starters? This is a long question, a very good question from Colin. Um, one we've already thought about in part on this. I think one thing to remember is that in those games, then like this last game, we've also been more threadbare with the personnel overall, right? And so when they're able to come in as substitutes, then by nature, we already have a, a, a fuller lineup and substitute bench. But I don't know. Do you want to mark you? You're big on this. You want to crow some more about uh, about this so we can fight? Yeah, I mean, it, there's two matches where they've come on as subs. There's two matches where they were starters. They were completely ineffective as starters, and they were very effective. They as were subs. not completely ineffective. I think that that's the the point. Like Fragapane is completely ineffective, having done nothing. They I mean, were. They did. Like Bongi did have. A chance here, like Dunlady did create a goal. Like we had over, two really oh, good chances over two games. They each created. They also each had one chance. Like compared to what they did as subs in the two matches that were together, like it's there's no. Uh, Dunlady had had a, a a cross in this game that led to a really good chance from Unu and Bongi got in on goal. And so what? What did the other players create? What did, like the other options? Like how many shots has Fragapane had this year? Half of one. Just kidding. He said several, but they've said, they've been useless. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't get how how we should start worse players so that we can get a short amount of time from 
the players so, who are doing better. So do a four four two and don't start Fragapani. But so you want to start Bongi start Amaria and Unu. Like I said, but that's not the option. In. I mean, you're you're talking about like again. The option was in this. You didn't have all those options. Well, so, I mean, th- this match was a weird one because I mean, with Amaria being out and Lude being out, it was a weird one. But I mean, if you go back to the LAFC match, there were plenty of options. Like you could have had brought both Dunlady and Bongi off the bench to see what happens as lay subs, and we didn't. And like like I said, like. I mean, and part of their effectiveness against Chicago was the fact that they were going against 12 or 10 men. Like, I mean, that's still part of it as well. That's why they were effective. Like, we can go, we could argue about this as I have all the nuance all we want, but like, I just think they're more effective as subs. I think that's the question, right? Is that, are they more effective as subs or are they better as starters? And right now, the numbers say they're more effective as subs. So there you go. But, okay. All right. You, you don't believe in numbers? No, I believe, I, I just like the option of, Using worse players for a longer period of time. Well, I, I mean, I, we've but done numbers this in this in, numbers in this case equals goals equals wins, right? No, no, they don't. So, they, so you so you would have started Fragapani in this last game, and we would have had sixty minutes of terrible. Is how do you prefer Fragapani over Hansen? Or either of them? They were not as good as Denladi and and uh, Bongi were for sixty minutes. They I mean, I probably, I probably actually would have preferred Frankapani on the left and Bongi on the right if uh, for against Cincinnati, and then having Uno up top because I mean, I don't know what Dunlady has on Adrian Heath, but I mean, he played more minutes in the last match by going the full ninety than he did the entire last season for Nashville. Like, I think he only had eighty-seven minutes total for Nashville last year. Like, he's not an MLS starter. He shouldn't be an MLS starter. He's not good enough to be an MLS starter because, like I said, he'll outperform his mean I, I think every now and then, but he'll completely underperform his mean every now and then too, which is why he has a mean. He's always been all potential and not showing up. But and I that's think, but the, I the, think the big difference problem. here is that the players, the other options are even worse right now. I like, totally agree. Like, and like, like I said, like this weekend was shit. I mean, when Nico Hansen came out, everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's going to solve our problems. Like, I'm no, glad we like, at least oh. got to see him. Like, at least he got a shot out there. And he wasn't, he was not as bad as I thought Frank Payne was. Um, Nico right, but, I mean, wasn't great. But. I mean, just like, just like, I, I like Nico Hansen as a person. And I think he's a, he's a decent player that should come in in the 80th minute when we have time to kill. But he's not a person that you should be bringing in to try to create. He's like fool's gold. Seriously, like, you've already used that one. You can't use you, two players. I can't can be use whatever score. I want. <laughs> All right, Brandon DePilla says I have an etiquette question for the pod. Is swearing okay in the Wonderwall during a match like that? I try to restrain myself, but you know, you can swear as long as there isn't children around you. Uh, I I still swear. I forget if children are around me. Um, Brandon, my my thing about swearing is um, it's just really lame when groups of people do it as an organized chant. It's just so like macho. If you're if you're yelling about how effing stupid this team is, um, have at it um, because there were there were some deserved um, f bomb moments in that game. But when it's like, um, fuck Seattle, oh my god, it's so lame. It's just like aggro bro stuff that is just not cool. Um, but do whatever you want, I guess. Mark Kastner says, if if you were moving to St. Paul, which Mark Kastner is, um, where's the first place you'd go for dinner? Uh, and he says, I'm not going to listen to the pod. That's because um, Mark doesn't have good taste in podcasts. Let's let's just say that. Um, well, I, he I, he I does would. have good taste in neighborhoods, though, because he's moving into mine. Yep. 
I, 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 I told him already non-bistro. We talked about all of our favorites here, but non-bistro, master noodle, um, homie is, uh, is, I'm very up on that place right now. Um, fantastic Mexican taco shop, uh, on university. You want to hit, hit a few quick ones here, Rodrigo and Mark. Chongdan bakery for Saturdays for your croissants and your coffee. Um, there is, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't eat burgers that much often, but when I eat a burger nowadays, I always like to get another Gordo burger, and that's in the uh, Selby. If you like ice cream, right, and you're not in, and you can't make it to Dairy Queen on time, two scoops in the Selby neighborhood is a good place to go. Um, good coffee over at oh jeez, never mind. Okay, we don't have to do the, the full of Explore Minnesota yeah. tour, but yep. Mark, give us two. Oh, Mark, um, West yes. Seven. Go to, on Saturdays, go to the White Squirrel, which is already a fantastic bar. Mm-hmm. And on Saturdays, they have the Angry Line Cook food truck, which is uh, actually, it's great. Some neighbors that live two blocks down from us who are also in the neighborhood of West 7th started a line cook. They're the p- folks that were behind uh, Just Us, which was mm-hmm. over on 7th and is that Wabasha, I believe? Mm-hmm. And then they eventually down in Lower Town, closed during COVID. They're st- they serve uh, a food truck. They basically have two smash burgers and some fries, and they are amazing burgers. And you can get them with some very delicious beers or uh, craft cocktails from the White Squirrel. Um, Dan Wade says, was Saturday's game more about FC Cincinnati being a real team now or the Loons not being resilient enough? Uh, FCC being a real team now. I Both. Think- I don't know. I think it's very much just the, that last moment. Just I'm infuriated looking at the stills and rewatching that last goal. That was I mean, but seriously, being, like we were like, out of shape and terrible. I mean, me and Mark were talking on our Slack channel. I was like, "What? What did Lucho Acosta go for? What? Like, how much gam? Um, a lot. It was like five hundred and some thousand gam just for his rights, and then they also paid three million to. Right. Uh, whatever. What, I forget what club he came from. In. And then Brandon Vasquez was like, I don't know. He was, he was on the he's a re-entry, right, from the from the draft. No, they uh, expansion draft, right? I don't remember what uh, Cincinnati traded to Nashville for him, but like it was one of those expansion draft things where like they're like pick him, and then we'll give you this for him. And I forget. I don't know what the figure was for what they paid for him, though. I mean, this right now, right now, those two things are are, are making. Uh, Cincinnati more of a formidable yeah. foe. But also Cincinnati is also the team that has struck out on their like what 19 year old or 20 year old Brazilian that they paid 13 million for. Yeah, Brenner. Um, Paul Choudoir asks, I was happy with Fisher, how Fisher played. Am I alone in this? I think um, Fisher was, was pretty decent. I don't know if I was happy with it, um, but I, I think I Fisher think has been pretty adequate there. Um, His first touch Oh my gosh. First touch is amazing. When you see him, like when he gets a long cross or a long ball switch and then he touches it with his first touch and the ball just literally just drops. It's beautiful. And also, I mean, he's a defender's fullback. Like He's not the type that's like going to like bust down and be the Metonair. But as far as his defending goes, he's been solid. Like he's a, I've been pretty happy with him because I mean, the one thing you want to make sure that your fullback does well is defend. And he's been doing that. Um, trust the binder asks, um, about Jeff Reuter's tweet. So he says, what kind of striker actually fits in Heath's system? And this is referencing Jeff Reuter's tweet, which says the striker carousel has seen three DPs, two top end super draft picks and a litany of veterans. The top scoring striker by year is Ramirez 
in 17, 14 goals. Ramirez in 18, seven goals. Nine, uh, 19 is Toy with six. 2020 is Robin Lud asterisk with seven. 2021, Unu with seven. 2022, so far, it's Amaria with two. I don't know if we can actually answer this question. We've tried to on this podcast, but I want to bring up that tweet at least just to to put it out there. We, we don't have an answer of what he's looking for because it just doesn't seem to work. The best is when we play without a striker. We play with false nine and have Lud doing that because may, maybe he just needs like a cardboard box up there and then actually play with 11 players in other positions. Can you play with a, a cardboard person? Do they count as a as a as one of your 11 what if in our four four two we just instead of having strikers we just have double wingers? Yeah, like we just have two left wings and two right wings, and that's it. Like, and then that's our formation. Then we have like some guys in the midfield. Like, can, that, can, can we do we that? Just get like, can we get a life size cutout board of Fragapane and then just leave it leave it on the left side staked, and then that way he's as productive as he currently is now. Yeah, it'll really distract them. They'll be they'll be worried about him. He's offside, but what's he doing? Um, I don't know what else to say there. So let's just say this: we will see you Wednesday and Sunday. There's uh, great Minnesota United games going on, and uh, thanks everyone, Corey. I hope you're having a great. You're not listening to this, but I uh, hope you're having a great time in England. You're beautiful. What, what, what was what was Corey's question? I I, I skipped it on purpose. Wait, you're, who is cosplaying as him tonight? The popcorn, Corey. The popcorn. You're beautiful, you're sexy, and everyone loves you.